And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with me today is the Reverend Bill Shishko, pastor of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, Franklin Square on Long Island. And Bill, today I'm thinking of an internet listener who perhaps is maybe not too familiar with the geography of Long Island. Can you briefly describe it for them? Long Island is the longest island that is connected with the uh, with the with the fifty states of the United States. So we're we're in the we're on the western part of Long Island. All right, very good. We've had some interesting topics that we've been discussing lately. One that was especially sensitive was dealing with pornography. Another week we dealt with the offended brother, and this week we're talking about an topic of restoration. So, Bill, could you get us started on that, please? Sure, yeah, I think um, it'd be helpful for your listeners if they have a Bible handy or some means of accessing the Scriptures, if they have Galatians uh, 6 and verse 1 in front of them, and also the very end of chapter 5. And, and Dan, let, let me just just preface this with a couple of things. I, I've got a, it was fun just to sit here this morning and translate the text again and make some notes. And and two things stand out in my mind. One is I am struck constantly, especially as I work with the original languages, with with the beauty and the wonder of the Word of God. When you when you read even a verse like this, Galatians six one as as we know it, you, you realize that each word comes from divine inspiration. In fact at one point we'll show even the you know the, the the nuances and interpretation are intended. But the second thing, Dan, I'm struck with is I look at this text um, because of the we'll, we'll see it in a minute. Just because of of the, uh, the the character of doing this in an ongoing way is to be reminded that whether we're dealing with our own battles with personal sin or the challenges of restoring one who's fallen, it is a battle. And and while that term is not used here. The language itself communicates this as an ongoing fight to do the right thing. The idea of a, a person having fallen and uh, sometimes the devastation it can have upon a congregation and then uh, the love and the effort and the work that entails uh, a restoration is what we'll be looking at today. And, and Bill... Um, um, I'm sure you've, without sharing any personal information, you've, you've had cases where you've had to exercise these very um, words uh, in your church. My dear brother, that's my work every week, in one way or the other. That's what it, I guess that's why I'm, I'm so looking forward to this interview. Yeah, yeah you know, I think, Dan, it, it's so important, especially uh, against the backdrop of, of people influenced by a view that says that the Lord is no longer working with his church. Oh, yes. That, that to have that view promulgated by a former Bible teacher is absolutely idiotic yes. for, 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 not, for many reasons, not least this. When Paul writes in Galatians 6 and verse 1, and he says, Brothers, remember that that this book, like most of the other New Testament books, I'll, I'll put it that way, are addressed to real church situations, real bodies of people, in this case in, in, in Galatia, what we would know of as Asia Minor. Um, but they're parts of churches. 
and and they they are their communities really extended families in Christ so to speak in which they're addressing one another as brothers and sisters so the idea that the bible is sort of unrelated or only incidentally related to the church is just utterly foolish and and uh, so here we're talking about a church context we're talking mm-hmm. about a, a family and i think that's the first thing people should keep in mind uh, when when we're looking at restoration is we're not dealing with enemies we're dealing with brothers brothers if anyone is caught in a transgression and 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 what's what's more in this um, it's interesting, it says in the original, it says, if also, if in addition to what I've just said, someone's caught in a transgression, and there, I mean, he's referring to all that's preceded, but especially verses 25 and 26 of chapter 5, if we live by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit or by the Holy Spirit. And actually the word is, to, it's almost kind of like to march in accordance uh, with with the spirit, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another, and it's this context of walking in the spirit. Well, that's that's not a mystical thing, you know. That the spirit told me, or I'm led by the spirit, and that's almost kind of a cloudy or gaseous concept. Walking by the spirit is walking in accordance with the word of God. Uh, that's why in Ephesians and uh, Colossians, Paul can say, on the one hand, be filled with the Spirit, but he can also say, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs in the same context. So walking in the Spirit is, is from a new heart that the Lord gives, in which the Spirit indwells his people. Our desire is to walk a straight path according to what the Word of God says Now you come to chapter 6, and Paul says, well, now in addition to what I've just said, or or not forgetting what I've just said, brothers, here's someone who is caught in a a trespass or a transgression, and, um, uh, well, the, the transgression, I'll come to being overtaken in a moment. Transgression basically means you're tripped up in your walk. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you've, um, not just so much you've crossed the line, is you've stumbled and fallen. And this is the real world. I, I mean, we've got to be honest with ourselves, whether with thoughts or words or deeds. Uh, we, we transgress all the time. And uh, now this is a case, though, where someone is, depending on how you translate overtaken, is you find somebody doing it, which is rather obvious. You can't restore people if you haven't found them in a transgression. Mm. Or more likely here, they're overtaken in a transgression. They're they're taken by surprise, and they trip in the way. Um, And that, there's... Dan, an example of what I mean by the beauty of the Word of God. This is what happens to us in our Christian lives, where we work to to uh, guard our tongues, as, as the Bible tells us, to, to bridle the tongue, as James tells us to do. Well, it's rather easy to do if we're not talking, but then you get in the wrong company, or even good company, and before you know it, you've transgressed with your tongue. All right? mm. So, and 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 we we feel guilty about this, and and so on. But this is the real world of the Christian life. Mm. Um, a, a person is, um, and and I, I even hate to even mention this because pastorally, it, it, this is I think one of the most hurtful things we ever have to deal with. Uh, but a man or a woman 
for whatever reason, because of personal vulnerability or difficulties in marriage or whatever it would be, they end up falling into sin with with a with a party other than his or her spouse. Mm-hmm. And 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 to point the finger at that and say you adulterer or you fornicator or whatever is exactly what you don't do. Later, he's going to say, "Look out for yourself, lest you also be tempted." But here, they're overtaken in a transgression, and they're brothers and sisters. They've got to keep in mind in restoration where it's a family issue, it's something that grieves us, be real about it, and then we'll get to what you do with them in a moment, but I don't want to lecture. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like your approach that uh, this is um, a family issue, that this is brothers dealing with, with brothers in the context of the body of Christ, the church, how is it done? How do you go about this, this, yeah, this task? Yeah, great, great. Well, I'm thankful the text can answer the question. The text says, you who are spiritual, and spiritual, again, does not mean someone who seems to walk six inches above the ground. Uh, spiritual here is, is in the context of the fruit of the Spirit. In verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, which gives yourself for the good of another, um, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness is singled out here, self-control. It's those who walk in the Spirit. You who are filled with the Spirit, you who have the fruit of the Spirit, above all here, you who want to walk in accordance with the Word of God, does not say point your finger at the person, doesn't say yell at the person, doesn't say be self-righteous concerning the person. In fact, he said before, don't be conceited. Uh, provoking one another and envying one another. And and let's be honest, self-righteousness and essentially conceit about our Christian faith or haughtiness about it, that provokes other people. They're they're, they're resistant to it. But anyway, the point is, you who are spiritual, and to answer your question, it says, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. And the word restore in, in the in the Greek language and it's a it's a it's called a present active imperative. You gotta keep doing it. And it's it's a beautiful word. It was used to describe mending fish nets. And that doesn't mean much to us. For those of us who fish, we use a fishing line, and we may, you know, we replace the line in our <laughs> once a year in our on our reel. But but this is different. These these nets were used daily for fishing. Um, they were like any other netting with with little holes in them, but not so big that the fish could get through them. But these were nets that went over rocks. Nets that were chewed at by fish that had you know, relatively sharp teeth in some cases. And, of course, they just had to work through all the, the, the trash that would be in the water, the, 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 uh, the, oh, the leaves and the sticks and so on, but above all the stones. So, so these nets, every day almost, had to be mended in some way, or the mm. fish went right through them. Well, this is the language. You who are, you who are spiritual, mend the net of this person who has been caught in a transgression. Mm. That, now, that says a lot of things. Um, number one, this is, this is not something you do with a baseball bat. <laughs> you know, no. it's, it's like the work of, of, a, of a seamstress who's sewing up a tear. 
and I know because my wife does this kind of work as 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 one who has to has to darn a lot of socks and so on. It's painstaking. Uh, I don't have the patience to do that. I have to do it with with human beings, but but it takes time to work with a person. What what you know something about what caused the fall? How do you prevent it? Above all, how do you put strength in a person so they don't fall again? Um, so, so again, it's a rich word, and, and remember, nets that aren't mended aren't very good anymore. Christians who aren't mended from their transgressions, whatever they are, aren't very good anymore. And so the goal is to restore their usefulness. Mm. Uh, not, not first to point out, uh, the, the, it, it's easy to point out the tear. Don't you love it, you know, when people can point out, all the problems, all the even all the failings of other people. Well, that's like looking at a at a net that's got a big tear in it, and saying, "Well, look at look at this net is is ruined. It's got a tear in it." Well, <laughs> you know that's not what we're to do. You you do what's necessary to mend the thing so that it works. Amen. Amen. Now, what about a person um, hearing all this, and and you know the um, the churchman gets it. And, you know, he's walking with the Lord. Um, and uh, what about the person that, that knows he needs restoration, he knows he's fallen, but he fears approaching the pastor and elders? Uh, any word of encouragement for that person in that particular case? Uh, what a great question, Dan. I, I so appreciate that. Um, well, in the first place, of course, here, I think there's an assumption that when people have fallen into a transgression, they're embarrassed or they want to cover it. And so it says, if, 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 if you could actually translate this, if, if you detect a person in a transgression, or, or it could be if they're overtaken in a transgression, and I think probably both are in view here. Um, so, so the idea is probably the person is, is embarrassed to come, whether to a pastor or to somebody else. But to answer your specific question, Dan, this is why pastors must be be wisely open and transparent with people. Not that they're airing their own dirty laundry all the time, but people need to realize that a, a pastor is a, as a person of passion and of temptation just as they are. I mean, here's the Apostle Paul saying in Romans 7, and I, I strongly believe he's saying this as a Christian, the good things I want to do... Mm. I find myself not doing them. And the things I know I ought not to do, I find myself doing them. O wretched man, not that I was, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ. Now, it, that's a pastor. That's your pastor saying that. That ought to encourage you, number one, this is a person who knows the same kinds of temptations that you are going through, right? And 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 he, yet he's a person who, who, as a Christian, confesses this and comes before God. And when he says, "I thank God through Jesus Christ who will deliver me," it, implicit in that is in Christ are all of the means to to continue to fight against those temptations that may overtake us at points. Mm. So openness, openness by a pastor. I remember once I had had a very dear saint, very sensitive saint, say to me, I've been taught that a pastor should never refer to himself. And of course she meant 
you know, she was thinking, Paul says, I don't preach myself, but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I appreciated her sensitivity. But I had to say, sister, would you find one page in the New Testament, or at least in Paul's letters, in which Paul doesn't refer to himself in one way? You know, oh, wretched man that I am. I, I thank God through Jesus Christ. And, and, and uh, you know, for me to live as Christ and die as gain. There is a healthy and necessary pastoral opening up of, of, of the pastor's heart so that people feel that uh, freedom to come to him as a man of like passions as they are. Mm, Yes. I'm thinking of another person now who um, maybe has some theological baggage that was not quite on target and feels devastated at their own sin. They're in need of restoration, but they have this theology in their background that teaches them sinless perfection. Can you can you address that at all? Yeah, well, that's that's tragic uh, because what what well, there's a, there's a lot of effects of that. One is to teach sinless perfection is usually to really depreciate the meaning of what sin is. Sin becomes something external. Uh, yeah, 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 I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't, I don't yes. go with girls who do well. Uh, I'm sorry, that's hardly sinless perfection. Um, that, but then as people try to live out of that, uh, there's something that's called the old, uh, the deeper life theology, mm-hmm. or the so-called Keswick or Keswick theology, mm-hmm. where you just let go and let God. You never, you never have to struggle in your Christian life. Well, that's so unreal. Of course we have to struggle in our Christian life. And Paul says, I press toward the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, agonized to enter in at the narrow gate. Well, then what happens... If people are under that kind of influence, then they'll get just they'll just plain get discouraged. Mm. You know, I can't live like this. Now, to answer your question, every every um, let's see, the, the the way theology works itself out, a wrong theology works itself out in wrong application is an opportunity <laughs> to <laughs> to correct someone and and teach them the way of God more accurately. So in that case, I think the first thing you have to do is disabuse a person of of false ideas about sanctification or growth and holiness. Mm-hmm. That's often very liberating to people. I mean, I I've, I've had I don't know how many cases as every pastor has had where people sit down with you and and they they kind of open up, you know, you know this kind of a thing, you know. Well, I mean, you know, I'm I'm obsessive compulsive. I said, well, so am I. So let's talk. <laughs> you know, and it's liberating for them just to know we all struggle with to some extent, um, you know, not necessarily with the excesses of it, which incapacitates us, but the principle of a behavior in which we, that is perfectionism, incidentally. Mm-hmm. OCDC is a is a outgrowth of perfectionism. You got to be sure that everything is exactly right all the time. That's right. <laughs> and, yes. and to say, well, you know. That's that's it. Jesus did say, "Be ye perfect as I am perfect," and 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 to be diligent, do our work heartily. That's not a bad thing. Yes, but sin warps it, and I think there it just becomes a great opportunity to mend a net. It goes back to this: it's not quick. Uh, you're, it's not just saying, "Well, just get over it," kind of a thing. It's saying, mm-hmm. "No, look at this," and then always, of course, looking at these things in light of the gospel. Um, it, Dan, it is amazing. The hardest thing for even professed, 
Christians to believe is how much the Lord loves them and forgives them in Christ. Mm. And you have to go back to that over and over and over again. Now, if you've got somebody who clearly has no desire to follow the Lord faithfully, you know, basically thumbs his nose at obedience, well, there you've, you've got to really you know, gently question whether the person yeah. is a genuinely saved person. But here you've got somebody's sensitive conscience, wants to follow the Lord. This is why we have the Lord's Supper, and we're told to examine ourselves and eat. It's to strengthen us in our Christian battle. Yeah. Now, I I hope I I didn't throw in a monkey wrench. We talked briefly about um, the the falsehood of of sinless perfection. Uh, We also affirm the idea that um, sanctification is a work of God's free grace, where we're renewed in the whole man after the image of God. We're enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. Now, that's uh, Shorter Catechism, question 35. Can you just briefly touch on that? We've only got about six minutes left. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, first of all, I'm thankful you've memorized your catechism. That's excellent. <laughs> And, and, and I think there, that probably a pastor, in the case of people who have weird or defective views about sanctification or holiness, probably could not do much better than just open up that text. Yeah. You know, what is it that we are renewed in the whole person after the image of God? Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't mean we're sinless perfection, but, but we are new creation, yeah. and we're enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. I think one thing that's not in the catechism question that should be opened up is in Christ we are holy. It's what's called definitive sanctification. Indeed. And, and to say to people, in Christ... You are as holy as you will ever be. You are, in fact, as holy as Christ is. I mean, that blows their mind. That is a great point. Yeah. But then to say, remember, you know, we're, we're in this world. And the illustration I use so often is it's the difference between being in an occupied country when you're, when you're under the, the domain of a tyrant, of a wicked, oppressing tyrant, Christ deposes that tyrant in our hearts. He deposes the power of the world, the flesh, and the devil. He, he replaces them with himself as Lord, but we still have to live in the world before a very active devil and a very active flesh. But these are like sniper attacks. Mm. Uh, there's either terrorist attacks. It's not reigning, dominating sin, but it's remaining indwelling sin. Mm. And, and there, of course, you know, we're overtaken in a fault. I mean, people yeah. are shot by snipers and they get hit. Let, let me real quickly, since we've only got six minutes, and, and I, you know, obsessive compulsive, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> that meekness, with, um, in the spirit of meekness, great word. It means self-control under pressure. You don't know what's going to happen. A person can get angry with you. A person will try to be self, uh, be defensive, especially if it's a real serious matter you're dealing with him or her about, or just the fact that you've confronted them. Meekness is self-control under pressure. Don't give up. Don't get angry. Be patient. It's more than patience. It's actually a, a self-control that enables you to continue to say and do what you ought to do, even even when it's a pressure cooker. And mm. The word, the phrase in there, we get the word the telescope or microscope from it. it. It means always looking out for yourself, lest you also be tempted. At least that means this. As you're talking with a person so that you don't become conceited, uh, Galatians 5, 26, 
at least it's saying, there, if it were not for the grace of God, I would be. It's at least meaning that. Yes. But it means more, I think, particularly pastors having to deal with, with members of the opposite sex, or there's marital difficulties or whatever. You'd better be careful that you don't allow yourself to fall into sin in your dealings with others. I mean, that's a topic for a whole other day, but, but always, and the word is always looking out for yourself, lest you also be tempted. Mm. So you, you essentially have got to put yourself in the place of this person who has fallen into a transgression, saying, if I, if, if, but for the grace of God, I would do the same mm. thing. And I want, by the grace of God, not to do the same thing. Mm. Well, that's very helpful. Today we've been talking about restoration. Our, our guest is the Reverend Bill Shishko, and uh, he's also one of the advisors here at Redeemer. And, and Brother Bill, it's a, it's a real pleasure to talk with you today. And if someone wants to get a hold of you, certainly they can uh, email us here at the station, ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. We will forward that directly to you, and then you can respond to that person. Right. And tell your, I'll tell your listeners for you, Dan, when they hear the Redeemer Broadcasting Network and the very edifying programming there, one of the best things they can do is tell a few of their other friends about the station and about, the, uh, uh, about where it can be accessed online and so mm. forth. Well, thank you for that. Uh, this entire broadcast is up on our website. Check it out. We're found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Please remember to join us next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer.